received your instructions. Touch cards if you like. Let's fight. Welcome, welcome to Cam Blue's Bout Business MMA Podcast. <laughs> Lou Finicaro. Boom! A production of GreenRollMedia.com, the world's premier sports betting podcast network, rooted in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. 100%! Now, it's fight weekend, and it is time to touch gloves with the most decorated mixed martial arts betting analyst in the business. He's your host of our main event. You ready? Bring it on! Come on! Come on. And he's all about business. Lou Finacaro. Welcome, fight enthusiasts. UFC 292 edition of Gamblu's Bout Business Podcast, Sterling versus O'Malley in Boston, Massachusetts. Couple of housekeeping items. UFC favorites, 194, 99, and 14, 63%. This is about the average year in and year out for UFC favorites, what we're realizing so far this year. Last year's 67 plus percent favorites was, I'm hoping, an outlier. Bout Business Podcast is 66 and 66. 17.58 units of profit so far this year. That's 13% return on investment. Average plus 127. The Bout Business Podcast is having profitable results against that 63% favorite return. And we're doing it by how we bet and how we approach things. The other thing is, this isn't monopoly money and this isn't hypothetical betting and guys on twitter throwing up six different props that one may hit or one may not no this is my book of business these are the bets that i make week in week out and i'm publicizing them for the benefit of the listeners now you listeners can take it as dogma and bet everything i bet or as i expect most of you are doing is you're assessing what I take and deciding if it's in your best interest to invest in it or not. But just as a final review, the $10 better so far this year listening to the Bout Business Podcast is up $176. So the direction of our podcast continues to be 110% focused on deriving profit from each card. Now, we can't do it every card, but if you look back at 2023, we've done it almost on every card, and each year will be different. But what will remain unchanged is that we will continue to deliver profit with the Bout Business Podcast. Now that that is over, let's review our futures. Covington and Edwards have a date. We'll see how that line changes as we get closer to the later fall when that fight goes off. Alexa Grasso, September 16th, that's coming right up. We have her plus 195. She's plus 190 on DraftKings today. We own a future on John Bones Jones at 117, plus 117 that is. And we also have a future position parlay into this fight card. So, without much further introduction, 
Let's move right into round one. In round one, we're going right to the head of the prelims where middleweights Chris Weidman and veteran fighter Brad Tavares are going to tussle. This is a veteran fight. Weidman now 39 years old, and he returns after getting his leg broken against Uriah Hall. This is April 20 of 21, so better than two years off. Weidman's taken the long, hard approach to rehab that leg. He's a world-class wrestler when he's got it going, and his striking has always improved. It's not deft. But what Weidman wants to do is strike only long enough to wrap himself around you and take you to the mat. Now, his opponent, Brad Tavares, what we have in Brad Tavares is a game Hawaiian, opened 300. He's now dropped down to minus 260. He's had three fights since April of 2021. So Tavares is the more active UFC fighter. Further. He had a split decision win against Akhmedov. That was in Phoenix. I was at that fight. And Akhmedov gassed terribly in the third round. Tavares was a little bit tuckered himself. That was a competitive fight. Tavares loses to Duplessis. No shame in that. Gets iced against Bruno Silva. Enters this one, loser of his last two. So there's plenty of unknown here. But here's what I think I know. I think Weidman knows what he's trying to do. I think the UFC gave him a manageable opponent that though he has power, I'm not sure he's going to catch up with Weidman. I think Weidman's wrestling is the prescription for any kind of success he's going to have in this fight. I think this fight goes to decision, and that's my way of kind of jumping on the Weidman train. Fight goes to decision plus 110. Now, Chris Weidman via decision, plus 500. Yeah, I like that too. So round one, fight goes to decision, one unit to win 1.1 unit. Weidman via decision, 0.2 units to win one unit. Now we roll into round two. Round two was last week's future parlay position when we use the main event with Sandhagen to start the third round, minus 280, and we teamed that with one of the fights on the main card, a bantamweight bout between Marlon Chito Vera and Pedro Munoz. We got Vera, minus 180, the parlay, one unit returns 1.11 unit. Vera, as we sit, is minus 200, and I look for Vera to bounce. Now, listen, Munoz is game. And he was fighting very competitively with O'Malley in his last. Vera will have adv advantages in this fight, two inches of height. He's six years the younger man. He's a switch stance fighter, five inches of reach, three inches of leg reach. I, I think Vera's physical stature, the fact he's coming in off a bounce, and I regard him as maybe the more well-rounded fighter, though he starts slow. I think Vera's in good position, especially when we can translate him into plus money and he's going off minus 200. So round two is the Vera position from last week, plus 
111. Now we move into round three. Round three, Ian, the loudmouth, pasty Irish fighter Gary against uh, Neil Magny. Pretty nondescript fight here. You got one guy, a loudmouth blowhard that hasn't earned very much in the UFC, but does have talent against an understated guy in Magny that's PO'd now and wants to go straight at Gary. The key to this fight is that for months, Gary's preparing for Jeff Neal. He's wearing the shirt of Jeff Neal's incarceration uh, around at UFC events and trying to piss off Jeff Neal. Neal can't make the fight due to legitimate reasons. And now short notice, here comes Neil Magny. Now, Gary is long, he's tall, he's got, uh, he's got great striking, and he's an improving fighter. He's 12 years the younger man. So quickness, fleet-footedness, maybe even chin going to be on the Gary side. However, in Neil Magny, you're getting a guy that's one of the most experienced fighters in the UFC period, let alone in the welterweight division. He will have a wealth of experience advantage besides a five-inch reach advantage, four-inch reach advantage legs. These do translate to advantage. These measurements. That's why I state them. Also, the diversity that Magni offers in his game. He can grapple, he can grope, he can roll, and he can strike. And I don't think it's in his best interest to stand and strike with Gary too long. Rather, I think he wants to take him down and try and test Gary on the canvas. So for Gary to have to prepare for a 5'10", power keg in Jeff Neal and now translate to a long string beam of a guy in Neil Magny is going to take some adjustment. He surely can do it. But rather than think that Gary's going to go out there and wipe out Neil Magny, I just don't. He's going to have to prove something to me. Round three, Ian Gary, Neil Magny. Fight goes to decision plus 125. They've got the total at two and a half with the under minus 130. And, and those are for the people that think that Gary's just going to go out there and overwhelm Magni. I'm not one of those people. Round three, fight goes to decision. Neil Magni, Ian Gary, plus 125. Now I hear the bell for round four. In round four... This is a fight I released Sunday when I was doing some initial work on these UFC fights. And speaking of initial work on UFC fights, I think it's soon that there's going to be a second Bout Business podcast coming at the early part of the week where we will take a dive into opening numbers to prepare for this podcast later in the week. There's a little shameless plug. Back to round four. We're going right to the co-main event where China's Wiley Zhang takes on Brazil's Amanda Lemos in what is going to be the best fight on the card, in my opinion. Lemos is brazen. She's brash. She's from Brazil. She throws heavy hands. She fights with tremendous striking power and a frenetic pace. She's built like an NFL running back from her waist down. I mean, she is so stable and based and strong. That's where her power comes from. 
and she throws hooks and haymakers. And that's part of how I think that she may be vulnerable in this fight. At the end of the day, I think the way Lemos fights, she's got six, seven minutes in her, and she can either completely destroy her opponent, or should the opponent weather the storm and take her out of that early comfort zone, then I think the tide changes a little bit. Lemos fighting for pride. She's fighting for her family. She's fighting to best herself. On the other side of the cage, China's Zhang is the face, the poster child of mixed martial arts in China. The hugest, largest, eminent domain target of the UFC. I believe Lemos, who opened plus 400 and has been bet down to now plus 250, is absolutely made for Zhang. The Chinese fighter Zhang is a fighting, killing machine. She's getting the technology of UFC and China together, and they are trying to build a, an unbeatable opponent. And I think they're coming very, very close. In this fight, Zhang's going to need to use her more well-rounded fight arsenal to make Lemos work in those first five or six minutes. Now. Rose Namayunas kicked Zhang, knocked her out. So we know Zhang can be taken out, and we know Lemos has the power. So this can't be toe-to-toe -to -toe for the first five minutes, or everyone will be hearing Uncle Louie choking on his tongue. No, rather, Zhang needs to make Lemos effort in that first five, six rounds. Get this fight into the middle of the second round, and then what I believe we will see is Zhang systematically take Lemos apart. Lemos will begin to tire. Zhang will mix up takedowns, kicking, striking, elbows, grappling, and it'll, it will come soon when it starts to come. There's no way I think this fight goes the full distance. If Lemos catches Zhang early, that's part of the risk of betting fights. However, if Zhang is able to weather that first few minutes and take this fight into the middle of the second round, I think we're all going to see what a damn dominant machine and fighter they've created in this Wei Li Zhang. Zhang was released inside the distance, minus 120 on Sunday, and I did that then because I knew what was going to happen. And what happened is now Zhang inside the distance is minus 150. It's still a play. It's still a great way to get her from minus 300 down. This fight's not going to the distance. Round four, Wei Li Zhang. Inside the distance, minus 120. That's 1.2 units to win one unit. Now we roll into round five. Round five, we're going to take Andre Petrosky against Jared Mearshart. Petrosky opened to 175, 180. He's now minus two and a quarter. I mean, he looks just like, acts just like, fights just like this kid Pfeiffer out of his same gym that completely systematically took Mearshart apart in his last fight. Mearshart has trouble with big, strong strikers that come right at him that can wrestle. That's exactly what Petrosky is. This is a terrible matchup for Gerald Mearshart. I love the Philly grappler. He's got KO power, great aggression, 
He's been screaming at the top of his lungs to fight Bo Nickel. There's no one doing that. And you know what we've heard from Nickel? Silence. What does that tell you? Petrosky's leg one of round five, priced at minus 225. And we're going to take him to the main event where we're going to use Aljo Sterling minus 258 currently at DraftKings. So Sterling to Petrosky, one unit returns one unit. That's round five. Now let's move into round six. Round six is the game we play where we take a fighter and try and pair the fighter this week with another fighter in the future. With this particular round, we're going to go to a fight that is on this card. And I'd like to take the higher risk fight first and save the easy side for second. We're doing that ass backwards this time because I'm going to the fight where I think it's just a lay down. And this one's in the middleweights. Robocop, Greg Rodriguez against the Russian Dennis Tuilin. This is as, as much a fade of Tuilin as it is backing Rodriguez. Rodriguez coming in and he can get clipped, but it takes a game, strong, quick, fast, powerful fighter to get to him. And that's not what Tuilin is. In fact, Tuilin's more like a statue sitting out in front of a ball stadium. He's slow, he's premeditated, and he can get hit. This is a fight made to get the fans riled up. It's a great spot for Rodriguez, and that's why he's priced minus 355. Currently at DraftKings, if we take Rodriguez at that minus 355 and we go just that scroll down to next week's fight card, and we see Aaron Blanchfield fighting Talia Santos in what's going to be an awesome grappling affair. We're going to go ahead and commit to Blanchfield 148, and we're going to take Ms. Blanchfield with Greg Rodriguez minus 355. One unit returns 1.14 units. Six rounds this week. Five rounds will be counted this week's total because I'm hoping that RoboCop wins and will carry that total into next week. Should RoboCop lose, then he'll be tallied as a loss under this week's records. That's just an FYI. Six rounds, great fights, pay-per-view event. Enjoy the fights and let's be profitable. Thank you so much for listening. Locked into Gamblue's Bout Business MMA podcast featuring Lou Finicaro. Hit our subscribe button and never miss out on Lou's behind the scenes access to the world of MMA. All the superlatives. Oh! Oh, is ridiculous. Oh my goodness. Bam! The legs go. I mean, that is clean. Want the best sports betting podcast on the board? Look no further than GreenRollMedia.com each and every weekend. GreenRoll's covering the NFL, college football, and MMA better than anyone, bringing you behind the counter of the most well-renowned sports books in Las Vegas. That's GreenRollMedia.com. GreenRollMedia.com, home of the world's premier sports betting podcast network.